You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Morello. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. Thank you for tuning in to Jet Nation Radio. I am joined, of course, by my co-host, Alex Varallo. How are we doing today, Alex? Uh, doing well, and uh, what an awesome intro. Let's go. See, I, I wasn't lying. Um, people were probably listening, and they're like, dude, that, that guy Glenn is just a schmuck. He keeps stringing Alex along. Alex, we're going to add you to the intro. Alex, we're going to add you. The... It, was, it was the plan all along. We just uh, the guy who did the last one. We really liked it, um, but we had some some trouble getting in touch with him, and eventually we went found somebody else who we also uh, thought did a very good job. So thank you very much for that. And uh, so tonight's show, Alex and I are going to go. Alex, I can't believe I really can't believe training camp is two weeks away. How crazy is that? We just celebrated the 4th of July, feel like last weekend or last week, and, and now all of a sudden, you know, I, I have customers asking me about August shipments and stuff like that. It's just, where did the summer go? <laughs> and, yeah, you yeah, know what, absolutely. It's a, it's a good thing. Hopefully it just doesn't go too fast so that we can get some juicy content out for our fans. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, camp is a couple weeks, unfortunately – um, it's, it's a, it looks like it's about a 99.99% chance. I will not be coming out to camp this year. It's going to take a miracle for that to happen. Um, and actually, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and say a hundred because there's a couple things going on work wise and, uh, <clears throat> just a couple issues. So sadly I will not be making it to camp this year. Um, I'm going to try to pop out of course for a game or two at some point, but either way camps two weeks away. I just saw that tweet from a uh, Jets team reporter, Olivia Landis, who we expect, we believe, will be joining us for next week's show. Not a hundred percent sure, but uh, oh, we nice. are, we, yeah, we are, we are fairly certain she will be joining us. She joined us last year, leading up to, uh, leading up to the season. And uh, a Colorado girl, I'm a big Colorado fan of the state itself. Uh, spent a couple years out there many moons ago. <clears throat> so Olivia, we we believe will be joining us. We'll see if we can get the details hammered out on that one. And before we go any further, I'm going to thank our sponsor, uh, who is, of course, Mile Social, M-I-L-E Social. Mile Social, please visit milesocial.com to find out how they can help you your business by managing your websites and social media. That's milesocial, M-I-L-E social.com. Check them out. Listen, some people running businesses, especially small, medium business, and if you're a new business owner, you got a ton going on. Let uh let Miles Social take some of that stuff off your plate and uh fewer hats for you to wear and make your life easier and hopefully uh generate some more foot traffic through the door. So Alex and I are gonna be breaking down our opinion of the top twenty five players on the Jets roster. And we, we talked, Alex, for a few minutes before the show. These are tough to do because you know, everyone if you had fifty guys do this tw- top twenty five, you might get fifty different lists because people weigh Injuries, production, um, you know, past, you know, we were saying when you rate a guy like Tremaine Johnson, do you look at his whole career or do you look at this most recent season, which was arguably his worst? Um, 
And everybody has their own little criteria. So for me, and I don't know how you're doing it, Alex, I'm, 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 I'm excluding injuries because, yes, there are guys with injury histories, and, yes, those guys are more likely to get injured again than players who have not had injury histories. But the truth is we don't know. So my list is the list of what I believe to be the 25 best football players on the Jets. Not the most durable players, not the players least likely to get injured, not the nicest players, not the players who have played the best as of late. Um, just the, looking up at the looking the, up and down the roster, uh, the top 25. And listen, if I gave you the, if you asked me to do this again tomorrow and the next day and the next day, I'd probably have a slight variation every time, because even as I'm doing it, and I'm sure it's the same for you, Alex. You, you got you, you flip flop names, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I kind of. When I got after the top, what I thought was the top 10, I really, really struggled to try to figure out, uh, you know, how does this player produce? What does he bring to the table over this guy? And and then you have to start looking at, you know, position value as well. So you can really, really, you know, twist your brain up when you're, when you're trying to draw this out. Um, and I don't know if you included rookies or not. I, I did forget if we had mentioned that or not. Um Full disclosure, I did not include rookies yet because I feel that they have to prove something before you can just go ahead and, and put them on the top 25, even though I do feel Quinton Williams is should be in the top 15, at least, on this roster. But we'll, we'll let him have his rookie season, and then next year uh, I'll, you know, I'll be putting him probably within the top five, top ten. I, I did. I included Quinton Williams, and I ranked him – much lower than I believe he can or will be because of the fact okay. he hasn't played. I mean, you watch this guy. He has the ability to be a top five player on this team, um, but I'm not putting him in the top five just yet. So uh, I did include him. I don't think I included any other rookies. Um, no, I'm sorry. I did. I, I had another guy in the bottom five um, again because of that. So without further ado, you can my book. <laughs> yeah, and and I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but uh, <clears throat> just like I said, my my approach was just looking at what the guys can do, the guys who I believe to be uh, those top 25, and we'll see when the season. Can't, two weeks till camp. How that is awesome. Uh, I'll tell you what though, it's bittersweet because not being there, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pretty ornery during camp. It's gonna be I'm gonna be happy it's here, but I'm gonna be pissed off that I'm not there. Uh, but you know. So goes, you know, that that's just the way it goes sometimes. So go ahead, go ahead and get us started here, Alex. Who is your number 25 player on the roster? Okay. Uh, for number 25, uh, coming in as a new free agent um, from Atlanta, this is going to be Brian Poole. Uh, this is just somebody that I'm just not 100% familiar with. Uh, I've only seen a little bit on him. Um, and I know that there is talk about him being worked in with the ones or, you know, as the uh, number two outside of Tremaine Johnson. So, yeah, this is a guy that I think has just not reached his full potential yet. But until he proves otherwise, you are number 25 on my list. You know, it's funny. Um, I had him as my original 25 and I bumped him down. He was going to be I thought maybe we do one or two sort of, uh, you know, guys who, you know, just those on the cusp guys. And um, I, I went with a player who I, I almost didn't because, again, it, you know, production, there is close to zero production for this player. Um, he's 
but I'm I'm just going on what little I have seen and how good I believe he can be and call me crazy if you like but I'm I'm putting Derek Jones there. I believe that strongly Ooh. in Derek Jones. Nice. I really believe if he gets a shot, he's going to be a legitimate player. Um he has the tools to be a legitimate player, put it that way. It, now whether or not the coaching staff can get the most out of him remains to be seen. I don't think there are any work ethic issues with this guy. So I don't think the lack of effort will be a problem if he doesn't succeed. Um, it could be that, you know, he may not have the best change of direction, but just his, his ability to stay with the speed receivers as well as his ability to, 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 to go up and get the ball. If, you know, if it is a jump wall or, you know, it, if he's trying, he's the type of guy who can climb the ladder and pull a ball down. That looks like a quarterback might've dropped in the bucket. Uh, you know, I know that training camp only counts for so much, but, the, the physical ability that he showed, I, I believe in him. And listen, if I'm wrong, it will certainly not be the first time. I've been wrong about many players in the past, but this is a guy that I, I look at and I can't, uh, I can't see him not being a damn good player if the coaching staff gets it right. Hey, yeah, I like it. Um, you know, he still has uh, a, a long way to go in in my book, but from from what I've seen, uh, seeing him up close at training camp last, last season, uh, he has the attributes. And it's just a matter of, you know, it, it's like the, the kid in, um, in high school that had the, the late growth, growth spurt, you know. So maybe mm-hmm. he's just a late bloomer. And, you know, like, like you've said and we've talked about, his versatility, his experience in college as wide receiver and then going over to a defensive backside. Uh, it's just he's a he's a good football player and he's a good athlete and again opportunity is here for him so hopefully he can seize that. So I guess that'll bring me to number twenty four and mm-hmm. I have our center Jonathan Harrison uh, penciled in here. I know it's a little tough because you know there's twenty two starters on this team and he's technically a starter at the moment and it's just that I still look at him as somebody that you'd be comfortable with in a backup role. And I'm just going to just put him here for right now. I'll put a little asterisk on there, subject to change. But until you prove otherwise, uh, you got us through last season after uh, Spencer Long was moved to left guard when James Carpenter got hurt. So prove me wrong um, and, and, and break that top 20. And hopefully he everything that has been talked about, him being in good shape, him taking this very seriously. Apparently he's read some news clippings about from the doubters. So hopefully Jonathan Harrison can can really elevate himself this year and, and show everybody that he's worthy of being a number one center. Yeah, he's another guy that I originally had in my top 25 and just uh, bumped him off. And the reason I did that uh, is because – and, you know, this could all this this is a guy who might not even make the roster, uh, but I I believe he will, and I I've said it a few times this off season. Maybe I'm putting too much stock in it, but the way I've heard Adam Gase talk up Eli McGuire, and as much as I liked Eli McGuire when the Jets selected him, I said at the time I thought he was a, sort of a you know the ideal replacement for Bilal Powell because they could both do everything well, and I think Eli McGuire in this offense is going to get a chance to show. Uh, what he can do, receive you know, as a receiver, 
and hopefully with improved blocking, you know, get a little bit more to work with as a runner. So Eli McGuire is my number 24. Um, but I, I fully realize that it, it, we're, re- we're going to find out if Eli McGuire and Bilal Powell perform similarly or if, if, if Powell, you know, outperforms him by a little bit and the Jets go with Bilal Powell, you have to believe this team believes they can, they can make some noise now because not much reason to cut a younger version of a similar guy who has a chance to be here for many years, uh, whereas Bilal Powell is he's a young 29 or I think he'll be 30 when the season starts. He's, he's, he's got younger legs because of the number of carries he had, not just in the NFL, but in college, he didn't have a ton of touches. So, you know, Bilal Powell's probably got the legs of a 27 year old running back versus 29 or 30. That being said, coming off a major injury, I would think McGuire would have a shot to take that spot. But uh, Powell, I think will have a chance. I think he's going to have more of a chance than people think. And it's going to be interesting to see how they approach that if the two perform similarly. Yeah, hopefully he can work on uh, his uh, balance after contact. Uh, I've been rewatching some of the 2018 season, and I, I just, yeah, you know, I saw it watching his tape in college, and I thought that maybe that was just somebody that was just uh, a little overzealous when they ran. But he really does seem to kind of just, you can just, you know, blow him right over uh, on first hit. So hopefully he, he works on his uh, balance after contact and, and learns how to shake defenders. Should definitely be taking notes from number 26. Uh, but now we're moving to number 23. And this one I had a hard time with, but I had to come to realization that this was a glorified special teamer that came onto a team with limited talent uh, was able to seize the starting role and he held on to it for majority of the year. He was a little bit of a rotation guy, but who I'm talking about is Brandon Copeland. And mainly the reason why I have him at 23 is because there's room for improvement at that position. And he got us by, he had a handful of sacks last year. Um, I think he is an intelligent individual and a good football player. Um, he's very important to this team because he, he contributes to all levels of special teams, and then you get a little bonus because he can step in and give you you know some run support and an occasional pass rush. But at the same time, this is New York, big expectations, and in this league you have to find ways to put pressure on the quarterback, and five sacks a season is just not going to cut it. So that's why I kind of have him on the lower end of total bowl. Well, this will be one where we can say great minds think alike, Alex, because that's the same guy I have in that spot. Oh, I think yeah. Copeland is a guy who I think with increased reps, you know, he had, he had the five and a half sacks last year, uh, wasn't an every down guy and probably won't be this year with with Ja'Kai Polite's arrival. But there's nothing wrong with having a, a rotational linebacker who can get you five, six, seven sacks, which hopefully he can sort of, you know, see another uptick because this was clearly the most he'd played as a pro. And he, uh, you know, he, he had his best performance. Sometimes sometimes it's just a matter of getting guys on the field, getting them some reps. And I thought he did a really nice job as a, you know, as a role player on this team. And I think that he's somebody moving forward who could be, again, a, a situational pass rusher. And maybe, you know, maybe if, if Ja'Kai Polite plays as well as we're hoping, you team those two guys together in some passing situations, 
and you might have a, a pretty decent duo on your hands. So that's exactly where I had him. Nice. Okay, so now we're up to number 22, and this is where we're going to – well, he's not there yet, but he, a couple of years he will be considered old man Winters. Uh, this is Brian Winters. Uh, now, I, I was on the fence with him, um, and I, I was kind of went back and forth with another lineman. And after doing some review of the film, watching some pre-snap penalties, some some miscues on combo blocks and, and things like that, and, and just watching, having seen so many plays be stopped in the backfield, mainly because he just did not get the right push off the, the snap of the ball or he didn't get his hands inside and just little things. And, and those little things add, add up when you're on the field. And when you, when you're missing your assignments, it, that's how you get negative plays and that's how you get your quarterback in trouble. So I have Brian Winters uh, just ahead of uh, Jonathan Harrison, as far as the offensive linemen are concerned. And I think that there's a lot of room to be desired at the right guard position. Hopefully this year he can get healthy uh, for once and, and kind of go back to where he was two years ago, which may be a lot to ask for at this point. I, you know, Winters, honestly, he's – this is where I'll say I'm, I'm probably being unfair to him at this point. Um, he didn't make my list. And, you know, if I'm being consistent, he probably should have been – and he should have been – you know, I I had him bouncing around the bottom five, but it, the the inconsistency with him drives me nuts, uh, and I probably held that against him a little bit. So, does he belong in the top twenty-five? Probably, but I, I pulled him because you know it's maddening how one week he'll look like a, you know, a pretty damn good guard, you know, an above-average player, and then the next week he'll just he'll have a really hard time, and you'll see his man getting you know as you said, you know, giving up stops in the backfield. So. I probably held his inconsistency against him um, a little more than I sh- than I had to, and he he could have been in the, around that spot, but um, I ended up I ended up bumping him down or off the top twenty five, um, and that spot twenty two, you know as I mentioned that I did have two rookies on the list, one in the bottom five, and I went with Jakai Polite because after you know after watching what he did last year in college. And yes, of course, I realize it doesn't always translate to the pros, but seeing his, really it's his bend that jumps out to me. You know, he, he's got some explosion off the line, but the way he can bend and turn that corner and, you know, run parallel to the line and get to the quarterback, I just, I think that's going to translate. And I think that, I think that he's going to be a really good player in in the long term. And I think that right now he's, he's, he has the skills to be a very good football player and yeah, he's got to prove it, but just in in watching what he's capable of, looking at the physical traits, looking at you know looking at the at, at the, the the game performances over the the combine and the pro days and all that, because let's face it, you know sometimes we're hypocritical as fans. I hear people all the time say, you know why 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 are we drafting workout warriors and you know tape should trump everything. Why are we drafting guys who have these great workouts? And then the Jets draft the guy who has phenomenal tape and had bad workouts and people like, Oh my God, I can't believe we drafted a guy with such bad workouts. Um, so it's like, which one is it? Is tape King or is, is it not? Because on tape, he looks like a damn good football player. So the, I, I almost left him off the list as a rookie, but I just, I, I couldn't do it. 
So he makes he's in my bottom five, but he's he's twenty two for me. Nice. Yeah, you know, I I kind of I I was thinking about putting the rookies in here, um, and I'm just going to hold back, uh, even though I do think that he might be a key factor that that really can change things for this whole entire defensive group, uh, because we know we we've just been so. Uh, just vacant. I guess there's been just been a huge vacancy for so long at the, at that edge position, and and God, hopefully, fingers crossed, he he's going to be the one. But that moves us to number twenty one, and this is where I I just feel that he will get the job. I don't know if he's deserving of it, but it's Daryl Roberts. Uh, I do like him and his versatility as far as being able to play in a safety role and also coming in playing as a, a cornerback. Uh, but at the end of the day, we are looking at last year's number uh, four on the depth chart, possibly being promoted to the number two. So I don't know what they have seen in the organization that, that warrants this move, but apparently there's something that they like about him. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how that unfolds. Hopefully it works out, uh, but I know that when you think about veteran quarterbacks like Tom Brady and some others that we're going to be facing this year, when you're analyzing the tape and you're looking at the film, yes, Tremaine Johnson is the older guy. and He had a little bit of a rough year last year, mainly because maybe a different system and you know, Casey Rogers and Todd Bowles ran a lot of man coverage and, and they blitzed the, the, everything but the kitchen sink and, and left those guys out on some tough assignments to, you know, stay hip to hip with speedy guys. So hopefully, you know, this this works out for them, but I just can totally see Daryl Roberts getting getting picked on and having a very, very busy season because we saw – We've seen what Tom Brady has done in the past when we had uh, a depleted cornerback roster a few years ago and we had to move uh, the young safety, Antonio Allen. Uh, I think he was from uh, South Carolina, but he was a natural safety, and he had to come and play cornerback for us for several games. And when we played against Tom Brady, I think 70% of the first-half passes were in his direction. So I feel that Daryl Roberts is going to have his number called upon a lot this year. Yeah, I think he will. And I don't I don't mind the Jets rolling the dice with him, to be honest, because especially, again, you know, how much how much impact can the coach have? Because if Greg Williams can help him boost his game a little bit, this is a guy who had really some some really good games last season. You know, number one that, that stood out to me and I think was his clearly his best game of the year was against Minnesota. Uh, you're playing against a couple of the top receivers in the game, and he, he did a really nice job. He was he had a ton. He gave up some catches, but he was targeted. I'm actually, as I'm saying this, I'm trying to pull up his numbers on PFF. I remember, if I'm not mistaken, it was his it was his most heavily targeted game of the season. And yeah, here we, so here are the numbers. He was targeted 16 times in that game. Um, and while he gave up 11 catches, um, he only gave up eight yards per reception. Um, so he kept, you know, he, he didn't allow any big plays. And he had a couple pass breakups that were just, you know, fantastic, you know, sort of diving plays, sticking with his man, breaking toward the sideline, getting his hand between the ball and the receiver. 
you know, if you if you only watched that Minnesota game and that was the only game you ever saw Daryl Roberts play, you might think he was a you know borderline Pro Bowler. Um, now, of course, he didn't play like that every week, but I thought he played well in a few games. And uh, just going off this right here, and I feel like you have to say it every time: PFF is not gospel. Uh, but he he had a, an average grade or better in three, four, five games at corner. Out of uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, so five out of nine games, he was at. He, I mean, he was above average in a few of those as well. Uh, seventy-five, seventy-three, eighty-six. So he had some. He had some stellar games. And now it's a matter of you know, but he, he had some stinkers. But uh, I think the the strong performances outnumbered the bad ones. And we're gonna find out early on, you know, because the guy that I had at twenty-five, Derek Jones, I would love to see him win a starting job. I really would. And, and I hope he does, even though, you know, in all likelihood, that would mean that would be a bad thing for Daryl Roberts. But I felt like Roberts at times last year, he had he had stretches, even if it was only a couple of games where he was the best corner on the roster. You know, he played well against Indy, played well against Minnesota the following week. Wasn't bad. I don't I don't remember the Chicago game very well. I don't think he was bad that week. I, I feel like he had some strong games and hopefully increased reps and better coaching will mean even better results in uh, 2019. Okay, so am I up or are you up now? Yeah, you're up. I, I, that was my 21, Daryl Roberts, so we should be up to your oh, 20 you if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yep. Yeah, you and I hang out too much, Juan. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> um, okay, so that brings us to number 20, and right here I have our right tackle, Brandon Shell. Uh, I, I think this is a good place for him because it, I didn't think that it was a wise move when they attained him. Uh, we used a future fourth-round pick uh, to get back into the fifth round, and we selected this kid. And I thought, what in the world is Mike Mack doing? But it turned out to be a starter, and he's and he's been a starter for the last three seasons, if I'm not mistaken. So you have to say the pick worked out. Um, we, we talked about it last week. We know that he has had his troubles with Cameron Wake, and uh, I believe there was a, a preseason game a couple years ago against Detroit, and Ziggy Ansa made him, him look like, a, like he belonged on the practice squad too. But when it comes down to Sundays and on the game, at game time, he played pretty well, um, considering that on his le- to the left of him was, you know, a uh, – Injury plagued and an inconsistent Brian Winters, and then you have uh, some uh, a lot of changes at the running back position. So it, it seems like this offensive line really has not had the opportunity uh, to have the same group every year, you know, to gel with each other. And he's just kind of been the quiet man on this on this team, and you know, hopefully this year uh, he can continue to show that he is a quality starter. Uh, we know that he's coming in uh, with a bum knee because he had uh, a minor surgery on it as he went down last year. And at this point, uh, he does have a younger tackle behind him in Chuma Adoga. So, you know, we're hoping that Adoga eventually develops and can play on the left side. But Brandon Shell definitely – should keep, you know, a little look over his shoulder and make sure that he's able to keep his job 
uh, at right tackle because he's definitely got some competition in-house. Yeah, Shell is a guy who's one of uh, one of the team's better <clears throat> mid-late-round picks in the last few years. Quality starter, not great. You, you wish he was a better run blocker, to be honest. I think that's that's where he's a liability, and that's I mean, let's face it. Let's uh, and not even a liability. Just it's not as not a strong point. But that's that's been the case with most of this O line for the past few years. You know, some guys who are all right pass blockers, uh, who just don't do very well against the run. You can say it about Brian Winters. Say it about James Carpenter at times. Although his last couple of years he wasn't very good at anything. Uh, so Shell, yeah, that's that's in the range where I've got him. Um, but my number twenty is Bilal Powell. And if, you know, I won't say a lot about Bilal because covered him quite a bit when we talked about Eli McGuire, but we know what he can do. He's 29, 30 years old. If he, uh, if he bounces back from his injury and he looks like he did last year, again, as bad as this offensive line was last year against the run, because, you know, make no mistake, it was ugly. He still averaged 4.3 a carry. And every other than his first season, when he only had a few carries, I don't believe he's ever averaged less than 4.1, 4.2 a year. And he's played behind some pretty bad old lines. He's played with some pretty bad quarterbacks, which means defenses rarely had to respect the run or respect the pass and they can play the run. So Bilal Powell is a guy who just, he can do everything, you know, catch it, run it, block, and he can do it all very well. And no matter who's blocking in front of him, he always seems to find a way to, to get you four plus yards a carry. And that there's some value to that in this league. So Bilal makes my top 20, and he comes in at 20. Nice. And for for me, the his running mate comes in at uh, number 19, and that's Ty Montgomery. And I kind of feel that Ty Montgomery, I, I saw somebody say a long time ago uh, when he first came on, doesn't really matter. He's just a camp body, probably won't make the team. You know, this this screams uh, Thomas Rolls. And just kind of funny how people's first impressions and first takes are. And I kind of feel that we haven't seen the best of Ty Montgomery. And the, the reason why I say that is because most people know that he started out as a wide receiver. And due to injury after injury after injury in Green Bay, he was forced to go into a running back role, and then he just kind of got stuck there. And the organization just said, you know what, we're happy with what we got. Uh, we're going to keep him in. He said he's our number one guy. And what happens, you know, they, they, they had, uh, I think Eddie Lacy was still in the mix too. So he surpassed Eddie Lacy, who they thought was going to be like, you know, a bus style running back. And then he gets hurt. And he was basically not able to, you know, get back on the field. Uh, for for that particular year, which if I'm not mistaken, was uh, that maybe the 2017 season. So I just kind of feel that he's been this floater that has been a, a nice utility guy where you can put him in the backfield, you can put him out as wide receiver. But, you know, I think this is the year where he's going to be able to accentuate all of his skills. And hopefully Gase has the right plan for him. Now I think about uh, who was the the, the gadget style player that Miami had last year. Was it Albert Wilson? How they, you know, they could use the guy in the Wildcat. They used him at running back. They used him on jet sweeps. They used him in the return game. I just kind of feel that Ty Montgomery fits that role, and 
he's a quality guy to have on your depth chart in your running back uh, room. And I think that he is absolutely going to, to grab that number four wide receiver spot. So I'm definitely excited to see what may be in store for Ty. Yeah, I you know, I had a hard time placing him. I actually didn't have him in my top 25, even though I really like him, just because I, just, I don't know what his role is going to be. I mean, nobody knows what his role is going to be for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do believe Adam Gase will get the most out of him. And, you know, it'd be hypocritical of me to say it was because of playing time, having put Derek Jones on my list. But I think I probably just didn't want too many backs. I didn't want four backs in the top 25. But he's never he's never done anything with a heavy enough workload. Um, you know, we talk about him running the ball. I think, uh, just looking him up now, his career high in carries is 77. He's never even had 100 mm-hmm. carries in a year. Um, nope. But, again, I'm not, I'm not saying he isn't a good player, and I'm not saying he can't or won't be a top 25 guy. I just left him off for that reason because, you know, we don't know how he's going to get used. But that doesn't mean, you know, I was one of those guys. I, I didn't say he was a camp body. But I, early on I said uh, that I thought people who were sort of penciling him, penciling him in or, or putting him in stone on the 53, I thought they were getting ahead of themselves. But the more I thought about it and the more I liked the versatility that this offense has with guys like Montgomery and and Quincy and McGuire and Powell and Bell and how so many guys can run it, catch it, block, you know, so many guys are, I thought this guy probably does stick because he's another guy for defenses to have to plan for. And if you can kind of get him more involved in the offense and he's been in years past, I'm, I'm far more convinced now that he'll make the roster than when they signed him. But, and I think he will do well. I just, I, I left him off cause I couldn't, He's probably the toughest guy to, to predict on the roster as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I completely agree because, it, you know, it's what, what side of the coin is he going to be? Is he going to be the running back, uh, you know, producer, or is he going to be the guy that's going to be moving the chains on third down uh, or in third and long situation? So definitely interesting to see what Adam Gase has in store for him. Are you up on yeah, he, uh, number 19? Yeah, I'm number 19 for me is a guy who might be uh who who or who is another uh another one of Mike McCagnan's better sort of mid-round picks and a guy who I think is heading in the right direction and could be up for another career year this year in Jordan Jenkins. Jordan Jenkins of course had a career high 7 sacks last year. He, you know, I he, his quarterback hits, pressures, all that stuff. He was somewhere in the 20s, 24, 25. So he did a nice job of getting the quarterback, nice job affecting plays. Probably not his best season against the run, but he has proven in the past that he can play the run well, does a good job setting the edge. So kind of turning into a guy who can do a few things well, not great at any one thing, can be a bit of a liability in pass coverage at times. And I I still see him as a guy. He's at 19 for me. But I wouldn't be shocked, especially if Ja'Kai Polite emerges, um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see Jordan Jenkins get used as trade bait um, when the season rolls around. And that's not me saying I want them to, because I, I, you know, another thing about Jordan Jenkins, and, and this is just, you know, listen, we, you know, we, we hear what these guys say to the media, you know, all, all the players, we, you know, we hear what they say to the media when the cameras are on, we know what they say on social media, how they conduct themselves. Um, we, we don't know any of these guys well enough to be able to say, you know, with any, 
true certainty um, in terms of their character. But Jordan Jenkins, to me, just strikes me as like a very high character guy, kind of guy you want in your locker room, positive attitude, hard worker, you know, produces not not at an elite level, but certainly a guy who's proven he's good enough to play in this league. So, you know, slowly becoming, or I shouldn't say slowly becoming, he already is uh, one of the guys on this roster that I'm, I'm just really happy he's there because of the, the that combination of high character, high effort, and, and the fact we're seeing the produ- the production start to start to show up on game days. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a double-digit sack season out of him if he does, in fact, stick around. Uh, again, I, I think this, I think the Jets are going to look to unload some of these Mike McCagnan draft picks and add picks of their own. So that makes Jenkins a candidate for that. But for right now, he's my 19. All right. So this brings me, uh, and and it's funny because when I went through my top 25, I didn't have these two players in. And I said, this is wrong. I got I got to rework this whole thing. And I couldn't really decide who I liked better. And then I, I said, you know what? we got to put Bilal Powell here because Bilal Powell, in my mind, is a better running back than Montgomery. Uh, I think that he's equivalent with his hands. Uh, maybe Montgomery might be a better route runner than him. That that remains to be seen. But I, I just couldn't see myself not putting Bilal Powell ahead of Ty Montgomery because I look at Montgomery as a poor man's Bilal Powell. Uh, and, but Powell most certainly is more efficient running in between the tackles. And there's not a lot of great things that Bilal Powell does, but he does a lot of good things. He's a good blocker. He's got good hands. Um, he can run in, inside and outside. And occasionally he'll surprise you, and we've seen this multiple times, where he'll break a play 30, 40, even in – I think he's got a couple home runs uh, over 70 yards for a score. So Bilal Powell, you know, when healthy, is definitely an explosive player. Um, just it's a little unfortunate that – uh, he's had uh, a serious injury that he's coming back from. He has been cleared, uh, but we also know that he has always seemed to found himself on the training table. Just, you know, an ankle injury or a calf contusion or thigh bruise or whatever the case may be, the guy is just a warrior and, and he just puts his body out there. And unfortunately, you know, he'll he'll have to miss a series or two here or there and we've even seen him have to miss a couple games as well. But I really like the fact that, you know, our strong um aspect of our offense this year is our running back group. I think that's a really, really good game plan to protect Sam Darnold. Um in the event that something does happen to Le'Veon Bell, I feel comfortable knowing that guys like Powell and Montgomery are in the mix because they can still give you a good running game and be a threat receiving as well. Yeah. I, again, you know, so we both have him sort of in that same, that same range and, you know, with good reason, just, uh, you know, I, I've talked about Jordan Jenkins, but Blah Powell for years has been that sort of the, the perfection in terms of what you're looking for and a player who just goes out, does his job, keeps his mouth shut, stays out of trouble, produces, uh, you know, the one downside, as you mentioned, as we both mentioned, he does seem to get nicked up from time to time. And of course, suffering a serious injury last year that, that held him out for the remainder of the year. 
So we'll we'll see if he you know if, if he's the Bilal of old and he can make the roster. But I don't see how you can be a fan of this team and not kind of hold him in that regard or have him in that range. So for me, number eighteen is going to be Brandon Shell, a guy who's done. You know, we, we I won't go on too much about him because we we you know you covered him earlier. We've talked about him. Uh, good player, not great better pass blocker than he is a run blocker would be nice if he had a bit more of, if he had a bit more of a mean streak and he's got a, you know, as you said, he's got Chuma Doga pushing him now. So he could find himself in a position where he's replaced at some point this year, or certainly a candidate to be, uh, you know, allowed to walk in free agency. If, if the jets opt to, or if, if Adoga proves that he's ready to take that role on at some point, or if he at least looks good enough that they believe he can do it next year. But Brandon Shell is my 18. All right. So this one, uh, number 17, was a little tough for me. I, I had this individual inside the top 15, but I was beginning to think about a particular rookie that has been drafted that is definitely going to cut into his snaps. Um so, but I do feel that he's is one of the most important guys on this roster, and that's defensive tackle Steve McClendon. Um, he is without a doubt a leader on this team. Uh, he brings fire, energy, accountability. He keeps the mindset. You know, everyone. Let's not forget what why we're here and why we do what we do. Uh, I just think that you know, that type of uh, mental aspect that he brings. Uh, could even warrant him as being the number one guy on this team. But unfortunately, he's in a position where it's not the flashiest position. Um, you don't really see highlight reels, unless you're Aaron Donald, um, for guys that are defensive tackles. You know, he takes on the double teams. He stuffs the runs. He opens up lanes for linebackers and defensive ends so that they can make plays and get zero credit for it. And he isn't a guy that you – know, he's very humble – and, uh, you know, I'm glad that they brought him back this year. Uh, he is getting a little bit older, and, and this may be his final year with us. Who knows? Uh, but I, I am definitely happy that we still have uh, a guy that's a solid leader in Steve McClendon, and he's coming in at 17 for me. Yeah, I've been a <clears throat> huge McClendon fan for quite some time now. Um, and I think he's a guy that just he doesn't get the credit he deserves. And I really hope he, you know, I hope we see. <clears throat> as I said, I think he took a a tiny tiny step backward last year. But hopefully, with the arrival of Quinn and Williams, it helps keep McClendon a bit fresher, and he gets back to being the guy he was a couple of years ago. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying he wasn't good this year. Just saying I felt like I saw him get pushed around a little bit more than years past which is going to happen as guys get older. But hopefully uh, with Quinn and Williams' arrival, that means less stress on uh, McClendon, less asked of him. But we'll see how that pans out because we could see, you know, the way Greg Williams, you know, with what we know about him, he could uh, he could find ways to get all these linemen, you know, his best linemen out there on the field at the same time to make some plays. But that brings us to number was, – was he your 17 or 18, Alex? Number 17 for me. Okay, I was going to say, we started off with you, so he should have been your 17. All right, so my 17 is a guy, probably, we, he would have been a lot higher last year, but got a hold last year, you know, his most recent season, going to carry the most weight, and that's where I'm putting cornerback Tremaine Johnson. 
just wasn't as good as advertised last year. Wasn't anywhere close to being as good as we'd hoped he would. There were some injuries, but there are concerns about, you know, he was he was franchised two years in a row in in uh in St. Louis, LA, wherever. And uh so he was he was he had to wait a few years to get that big, big long term deal. And you hope that landing that deal didn't make him, you know, sort of put it into uh into cruise control for the rest of his career. But if he's he's a guy who if he bounces back and has a good season, then the Jets' chances of making the playoffs are a whole lot better. So he's my number seventeen. All right. So this brings me to number 16, and I feel that this is definitely going to change um, next year uh, if we end up doing this again. And this is a second-year tight end Chris Herndon. Uh, I really feel that there was a good chemistry that was built um, near the back end of the season, especially in those last four games. Uh, You could kind of see that even – as conservative and predictable as Jeremy Bates' offense was, I was watching uh, what was most of the game I watched last night. I think I watched the Houston game, and the night before that, uh, I watched the Tennessee game. And it was really interesting to see the alignments of where they were putting him at, kind of putting him in motion a little bit, flexing him out. And you could see the windows that Sam was throwing into. And you don't throw the ball into tight windows unless if you as a quarterback trust the guy that's on the receiving end. And you could see that trust starting to develop between these two guys. And, you know, hopefully he finds a way to keep himself, uh, you know, out of trouble because we do know that he had had a DWI uh, right after the draft last year. And uh, fortunately, the way that the NFL works is that you don't get suspended until you go to court and you get sentenced for something. So people are anticipating it's going to be a two-game suspension. Um, I don't see how he would be able to uh, dispute that or, you know, fight against that. It's pretty much uh, take it, take it on the chin and, and roll. So only because, you know, we're probably only going to be seeing 14 games out of this young man. I have him outside the top 15. And listen, he's a he's a guy that Jets fans are excited about, and rightfully so. You know, he's a guy that he's done some impressive things in the the very early going, and he he fills a void that this team has had for a very long time. It's I mean the the, the thing that's exciting to me. And this is without going too far off topic, Alex, is the number of young guys who are on this roster, and not all of them so young, but young enough. Um, guys who have an opportunity to to be some of the best players at their respective position that the Jets have ever had. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's out of line to say that, you know, Jamal Adams, Robbie Anderson, uh, you know, Chris Herndon, Sam Darnold, these guys have a chance to be some of the best players at their respective position for the Jets, and. You know, I think uh, Robbie's up for a big year, and and even if you took him out, even if you said, oh, he's you know he's he, he's he's had some issues, and he you know people keep going on about the fumble thing, which is really a bunch of garbage. I've talked about this before. He, he averages one fumble a year. He had two last year. He had none the year before. He had one as a rookie. 
guy has three fumbles in three years, and every time I say something positive about him, people are like, he can't hold on to the ball. He fumbles all the time. Yeah, one fumble a year is just, yeah, that, that's, that, that, that's all the time. That, why even throw him the football? Um, people just lose their minds. But, um, you know, Chris Herndon, like, who was the last tight end? In, in our lifetime, out, we've been watching the Jets for about the same amount of time. How many tight ends have we seen with a ceiling like Chris Herndon, with the ability to be as good as him? Off the top of my head, the last one that I really thought was going to be the one was Dustin Keller. Uh, until that, that, knee, that knee injury, he just seemed to be Mr. Reliable, a guy you could trust on third down, guy that was a good target in the red zone, and it's just he never but he, was But he right was even a liability as a blocker. Herndon, Herndon is already twice the blocker Keller was. So uh, I mean, I see what you mean. Just as a receiver, yeah, it looked like we finally had one in, in Keller, but um, Herndon already a better blocker and looking just as good. You know, this is the you know typical Jet stuff. I don't know how I don't know how young you were, but Johnny Mitchell actually looked like he was going to be a damn good player. Um, oh yeah, I remember. I don't know if you remember that game. I, I'm pretty sure it was his rookie year. He scored like three touchdowns against the Dolphins in one game. Um, he had one catch where three defenders, literally three dudes hit him simultaneously, and they all bounced off. And he just just kept going, you know, for a touchdown. And then, of course, he retires like 10 minutes later after his second or third season um, because that's what happens when uh, you know with the Jets. But, yeah, I look at Robbie Anderson as a deep threat. And to me, Wesley Walker was the last guy they had who could do what Robbie can do and has the potential to be here for a while. Um, I look at Herndon. He could be the best tight end they've had in in decades. Sam Darnold, obviously, could be the best quarterback they've had in forever. And and Le'Veon Bell, if he's anything close to what he was with the Steelers, you know, he, he's done. He, he's he's had more 1,800 yard seasons than Curtis Martin did in his entire career. So he could easily surpass what Curtis Martin did here with the Jets. Maybe not in total yards because of his age. But, you know, if, if this blocking holds up, he could have two or three seasons that surpass what Curtis Martin did in terms of total yards. So Bell, Herndon, Darnold, and, I mean, Jamal Adams and Marcus May, if, you know, if May stays healthy. So, I, again, I don't want to get too far off, the, off the, uh, the topic here. But the safeties, the quarterback, the tight end, the receiver, these guys all have the ceiling, the ability to be better than just about every guy that played their position um, with this team, you know, with, with very few exceptions. And, they're, you know, to have a nucleus like that in place, just uh, that much more reason to be excited. So um, so what were we up to? We were up to number 16 for me, correct? Yep, you're up. Yep. No. So my number 16, uh, a guy, I say it all the time, underrated, good enough player to get by with at a critical position, Kelvin Beecham. Solid pass blocker, leaves a, leaves a little bit to be desired in the run game. But let's face it, our number one concern with the left tackle at this point is, you know, to make sure that Sam Darnold stays safe. He is No, he is not an elite left tackle, nor is he as bad as some make him out to be. Middle-of-the-road player, critical position. You could do a lot worse than Kelvin Beecham. So that's why he lands there for me. Gotcha. Okay, so that brings me to number 15. 
Uh, and this is our new wide receiver. Uh, should be expecting a lot of action out the slot for him, and that's uh, Jamison Crowder. Uh, just one of those guys that have talked about highly um, from you know his his former team, and he was a special player out of Duke. Uh, just saw a highlight from him the other day of this phenomenal uh, punt return that he had to the house. So it just kind of seems that this guy has been a little unlucky with the injuries as of late. And I feel like we say that with a lot of the guys that we have on our our roster right now and health is definitely going to be uh, one of the biggest factors of of this team's success. But if this guy can stay healthy, uh, I think that he will be an improvement uh, from the guys that we had last year, mainly Jermaine Curse and Terrell Pryor. I know there was a lot of hype that was talked about going into last year's uh, wide receiver group, and clearly it just didn't work out the way that we all thought in our minds. But I, I have a different feeling about Jamison Crowder um, in in this style of offense. And it, you could really tell that uh, by the way that Adam Gase spoke about him, that he's got something – he's got some big plans uh, drawn up for this guy. So I'm definitely pumped to see what he could do. Yeah, we've been hearing uh... – a lot of good things, both, you know, from the coaches and, you know, Sam Donald raved about him. I know Rich Samini during OTA said that, you know, his quickness was evident early on and he thought he was a guy who could kind of wreak havoc underneath. So he's one of those guys, you know, I've talked about how I like this receiver group because they should be able to attack at all levels. And Jamison Crowder is the primary reason uh, they'll be able to, they should be able to eat teams up underneath. So I think, a lot of people are fired up to watch him in this offense. So good pick there. Um, I've got him slightly higher, so we'll get to him in a little bit. But for me, number 15, a guy you've already had, I probably bumped him up a little because of what you talked about in terms of leadership, Steve McClendon. Uh, the guy is just, um, you know, consummate pro, works his ass off, gets the results even if he did, you know, slip a little bit less. And that's just, you know, that's just me, you know, as a, a fan watching the games. For all I know, the, the coaching staff could have him, you know, playing right along, you know, the same level he's been for the last couple of years. But either way, hell of a player, hell of a, you know, hell of a guy to have in the locker room. You hear him in the, the, the post-game interviews, win or lose, he's he's always willing to talk to the media. Just con- I've said it before. You know, if I could pick one guy on this roster to to have the Jets add him to the coaching staff the day he retires, that it would be Steve McClendon. I want this guy in Jets green as a player or a coach for the next 15, 20 years. Yeah, I would love to see that. He's definitely one of those player coaches that you just – he kind of likes the way that McCown was for, for Sam last year. You kind of definitely would like to retain him. For, for Quinn and Williams and, and, and Leonard as well, uh, just because of all the things that you had mentioned. But moving along, uh, we're going to go with to number 14, and this is another wide receiver, uh, and this is Quincy Anunwa. Uh, I, I put him slightly above Jameson uh, Crowder, uh, mainly because of the versatility, and I think that's probably what we should call him from here on out, the ability to play H-back. Uh, he, he's a small man's tight end. He could play in the slot, and he can even do some things on the outside. So I, I feel that Quincy Nunn was physicality and, and just that 
edge that he brings. Um, he, he's the type of guy, he, he kind of warrants contact, even though I wish that he would be a little more reserved with his body. Uh, it's just that you could tell he, he's a football player, uh, you know, in and out uh, from head to toe, and, and he likes popping the pad. So hopefully this year he finds a way to, you know, not take as many brutal hits so that we could uh, see him and Sam, and, and finally this will be the year that we see Anunwa have that, you know, air-quoting breakout year. I, I think we've all been, you know, hoping like crazy that, that Quincy can finally put it together and stay on the field. That's obviously been his biggest issue. Um, as I said a couple of weeks ago, perhaps slightly overblown, given the fact that he's had one major injury and then a couple of other just sort of uh, nagging things where he, he maybe would have been able to play if they needed him to. But either way, you know, the results are what they are. He's missed a ton of time, and uh, he plays a brand of football, you know, I've said it a million times. He plays with a linebacker mentality, and that's uh, that's sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes it's not. And when you're on the trainer's table, that's when it's not a good thing. So my number fourteen is uh, is the big rookie Quinnen Williams. I as I said, I, I debated. I went back and forth between pulling him off, keeping him on um, with the rookies, but I just just in looking at him as a football player, I think he's. I think he's going to be a very good one. His his film just jumps out at you, and I think he's going to be an impact player at some point, obviously, given his his, uh, his college production draft status. And he's another one who you know seems like a kind of put-your-head-down-work-hard kind of young kid who enjoys the game. So I'm looking forward to watching him grow with the Jets. It's scary to think that he's still young enough to where he could – there's still some room to fill out you know, you could see the the young face and the big smile, and what is he going to look like when he's like 25 or 26? You know, I, I definitely can't wait to to see his uh, growth and and how high he can raise his uh, ceiling. Uh, but let's go. All right, so number 13, going with Goose Henry Anderson. Uh, this is just you know somebody that I didn't even expect. Uh, to even be on this roster this year. Uh, He was a pleasant surprise. Uh, Traded for a seventh-round pick last year and just worked his tail off, found himself in a starting role, grabbed onto it, and didn't didn't let go. Uh, We talked about him last week, the seven sacks, which is a career high for him. Uh, Who knows? Um, It may be seven is his ceiling. Maybe he could be a guy that turns out to have ten sacks in this style of – defense. You know, you talk about um, how Adam Gase was speaking of Leonard Williams. You know, we have to get four hands on that guy at all times. Now, they were probably saying the same thing with McClendon, because if you were looking at the three-man front, uh, you know, 92 and 99 were guys that were probably being schemed against, and people were probably just overlooking Henry Anderson and giving him say, yeah, we'll let the right tackle have one-on-one versus him. They should be able to handle him. This guy's been you know, has done next to nothing uh, before he came to the Jets. And it, it's a great story. He, he's penciled in for the next few years. And hopefully the sky's the one that produced. Yeah, I mean, listen, guy they got for a seventh and was I, – I didn't realize. You know, I knew obviously he rotated quite a bit um, early on, especially with Nathan Shepard. He didn't play nearly as many snaps as I thought. I didn't realize how how little he did play. I forget. Uh, I don't have the 
I don't have it in front of me. I feel like Manish Mehta, the Daily News, tweeted out the other day. He he just sent out a tweet about Henry Anderson, and he gave the percentage of plays he played in. It was it was lower than I thought, like 60% or something, like 57%. So he didn't even play as much as you know other guys may have. And to produce the way he did, I think that he, uh, you know, he turned, or he was obviously a, a very pleasant surprise for that defense. And I'm excited to see what he can do, you know, again, with this, with this whole front seven overhaul, you know, as, as a whole. Um, I do have to say, though, uh, and I'm sure this will absolutely break Derek Jones's heart, uh, but I'm a moron. And I, uh, I put two guys at number 13. So I have 26 guys. So Derek Jones would get bumped down if uh, if we're keeping it at 25. That's my mistake, and I just realized that because I'm up to number 13, and the guy above him is numbered 13. But my number 13 uh, with Derek Jones getting bumped down to 26 is Chris Herndon. I uh, won't go on at length about him because we just talked about him. He can block, he can catch, you can put him in the slot, probably line him up outside wide if he wanted to, and a guy at a position that the Jets have been in, you know, have dire need for some time for a guy who can make plays in that spot. And that is exactly what they've got now. And I think that he's going to be a huge part of Sam Donald's, uh, you know, progression over the span of the, the next several years. All right. So that puts me at number 12. And uh, you just spoke about him not too long ago. That This is Jordan Jenkins for me. The reason why I put him up so high is, as I've been watching a few games, I didn't realize how many penalties um, and opportunities were taken back uh, excuse me, for Jordan Jenkins, mainly because of the new rules that have been implemented on, on how physical you're allowed to be on the quarterback. And, you know, what I mentioned before, how Todd Bowles would kind of strand his defensive backs um, in in tight man coverage, and when you're not getting pressure like that, you know guys like Claiborne and, and Screen and even Tremaine Johnson get a little grabby, and those were normally the plays where you'd see a hurry or a pressure. And I, the one specifically that stands out is if you remember the the game against uh, Buffalo. Um, where it was Sam and um, Josh Allen's first game against each other. I believe it was like, I want to say like week 14. But they run this uh, wide receiver end around, and he's kind of doing a bootleg, and he hands it off to the slot receiver, and coming right around the corner is Jordan Jenkins. And you know, you have opportunities to stick the quarterback. Every coach that I have you know, from being a, you know, peewees to, to high school, uh, they always told you whenever you get a chance to, to put the quarterback on his back, you, you give him everything you got. And he just lowers his shoulder and took Allen right off of his feet. Out comes the, you know, the, the flags and everything. And the guy's just sitting there like, what am I supposed to do? If he had the ball, it would have been, you know, Monday night football's top hits. Uh, but, you know, this is a different game now. They're trying to protect the, the uh, signal callers, and I just kind of feel that there were just certain times that, you know, Jordan Jenkins would have had, you know, an extra hurry or an extra QB hit or, you know, even a, a, a sack here or there if things just went a little bit differently for him. I think he's one of those guys that could flirt with 
you know, nine to ten sacks this year if everything goes well. Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, like I said, I think a ten-sack season is not out of the question for him. And again, high character guy who's who's producing, and it's it's fun to watch these guys grow and get better. And, and uh, I'll just throw this last thing in there, and then you can go, go right ahead. Yours. He was asked about you know being on a contract year because this is his final um, contract for his rookie season, and his response was, "If I don't produce, I'm gone." So he clearly knows that there, there's, you know, a, a small group of guys that all are looking to grab this edge position and become starters and, and have a career with the Jets. And, and he's just not putting himself in, you know, as an automatic 2020 guy. He's realizing he's got to fight just as hard as everyone else to maintain his spot. And I think that's really good motivation for him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how he responds to that, that need, because he does, he, he does have to produce. There is some more competition at that spot. You know, we talked about, we talked about polite. We, and we've talked Frankie Louvu is a guy, you know, who, yep. who played well in spots last year and you could see him develop into a decent player. Um, so there's definitely some competition there, but I think, you know, if, if he keeps trending the way he is and he gets himself a 10 sack season, I think he, uh, I think he'll get himself a nice paycheck, but uh, you know, from the jets, but we'll see. We will see. Uh, My number 13 is another linebacker uh, on the inside this time, and that's Avery Williamson. Avery Williamson, a guy who replaced the departed to Mario Davis. And in all honesty, um, two very similar players in terms of production and uh, ability as well. You watch the two of them, and they can both, you know, they're both big hitters. They very rarely miss a tackle. And they, you know, they play that same spot. So I think that Williamson is a guy who a lot of fans, you know, were upset to see Demario Davis go. I listen, Demario Davis again, super high character guy. But I understand the logic of saying, listen, we can get a very similar player uh, who's three years younger, and that's what they did. They went yep. with the younger guy in Avery Williamson, and I think it's paid off. I don't think the, I don't think they really missed a beat there. And I think he's going to be a really good player for, you know, the next few years in the middle of that defense. Yeah, you know, it's, it, unfortunately for DeMario Davis, he was a little bit of a late bloomer. And it, if he had had a season, like I forgot what his last season was, maybe it was 2017. Um, but if he had had that year in 2015, I think there is no Avery Williamson. So, but they, Mike McCagnon made a very, very good move. Um, basically the same guy, just younger, as you said. So it, it's it's nice to know that there's not that big of a drop-off and, and you know what to expect from a guy like Williamson. So that moves me to number 11. And I this is where I was talking about, about where do you position these guys? You know, you start looking at position. Um, you know, what positions uh, – are more important as far as building a team as a whole. And I think mainly because of what he, where he's uh, specifically at puts him at the number 11 spot. And that's Kelvin Beecham. Now he's not an all pro left tackle. Uh, he's more of a finesse guy. He's not a mauler, but he does protect the blind side. He, he he's decent in the run game. He can, you know, take on, the best edge rusher that the team has. 
and and keep him honest. Yes, he does give up a sack here or there and a pressure here and there. But at the end of the day, when you're looking at this whole offensive line, it's hard not to say that Calvin Beecham is not one of the better, if not the best, offensive linemen that we have. You know, clearly we, we made a trade for another offensive lineman that's held in higher regard, but if that didn't happen, I definitely have no problem saying Calvin Beecham is our best lineman. Yeah, and, you know, even though we're both saying we like the guy, um, I don't think you're you're in a great spot if he's your best lineman. Um, he's a good lineman, but you want to have somebody, a couple somebodies, hopefully, that could sort of play at a higher level than you would get there. So we'll see. Again, we, you know, we talked about his Chuma Doga. Is he being brought in to take that spot eventually? I think that's the uh, long-term goal. And he'll get a chance to, you know, to win some reps this year and just to develop a little bit with an eye on letting him take Beecham's spot next season. If not, then I think you're going left tackle or you're going corner in round one this year. Well, next year, I should say. So my previous was Avery Williamson. And what was he? He was my four or five. He was my 13. Yeah, so so he should have been. You're 12 then, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, am I, what am I going to do? I have an extra guy here? All right. A, anyway, um, one spot above Williamson, I'm going with with Crowder, who you had lower on your list. I think, you know, again, in the interest of time, really, not a ton to say. We've talked about him, his ability, you know, what we believe he'll be able to do underneath in this offense where Adam Gase will, you know, make sure his quarterback always has a, a safety outlet. And I think that's going to mean a lot of opportunities for Chris Herndon and for Crowder. Um, and not just as a out, safety outlet, obviously, with his skills, he'll be a primary on a lot of plays as well. But uh, just a, a really good receiver underneath who's going to, who's going to give this team a, you know, a chance to move the ball and move the chains. All right. This one, I don't know if the fans are going to agree with, but when I look at the, the skill set and I look at the player, I think about uh, – getting reunited with Denard Wilson and Greg Williams, him having a, probably a better understanding than our previous defensive coordinator. And I have Tremaine Johnson making uh, the number 10 spot here. Uh, I, I, I don't feel that last year represents who he is as a football player. Uh, we do know that he was working through injuries early on. Um, then he took a devastating hit in that Cleveland game, which knocked him out. And that put Buster screen back outside. Perry Nickerson was getting, uh, some opportunities, and he did not look very good covering Landry or, or Antonio Callaway in that particular game in the second half. But I, I feel that this year is going to be uh, the season where Tremaine Johnson reminds everybody why he's one of the top-paid corners, um, not only in this league, but one of the top-paid top paid players on this team. And I, I think this is going to be the year that True Johnson uh, gets every back on on the uh, bandwagon. Yeah, like I said, he's he that's one of those things that has to happen if the team's going to make the playoffs is that Tremaine so one or two corners have to step up and exceed expectations. And whether or not that'll happen, you know, the the concern with True of course is the age and the big payday. But he you know, you hope that, that Greg Williams can light a fire under him and get him back to being what he was before. Uh, for me, I had a Crowder. I'm going with Robbie Anderson. 
he's a guy who I think could easily be in the top five on this list. I was tempted to put him there, but I thought, nah, we'll move him down a little bit. But I really believe if Adam Gase features him the way he's kind of implying, you know, and him talking about Robbie as being just this dynamic playmaker who who has unique skills, uh, I could see Robbie Anderson. I mean, there's part of me that says I could see him put up a 1,500-yard season, but then there's the part of me that says there's only so many balls to go around, and they have a lot of targets on this team. So if Robbie Anderson doesn't have a monster year, it's going to be because guys like Herndon and Crowder and Quincy are playing well also, and that's going to limit Robbie's targets. But I, I'm going to say, if I, I got to see if I can put in a bet. So this is Robbie's, This is going to be Robbie's first thousand yard season. He's going to put up a thousand yards this year. Um, I will okay. say that he, sh- he, sh- he, sh- he should have put up a thousand each of the last two years, if not for poor quarterback play and uh, and some injuries. He, he got nicked up and missed some time. You know, he finished a handful of yards short of a thousand two years ago when Bryce Petty came in for the final three or four games and played like absolute trash. Uh, had Josh McCown stayed in there, Robbie was a lock to go for a thousand. And what do you have this year? Seven eight hundred, and that was with uh, John Morton calling the plays and McCown playing terrible at one point. So I think it's a combination. I think the biggest thing that stopped him from being a thousand yard receiver, or I know, has been the QB play. Better QB play is going to mean a thousand yards for Robbie this year. Really looking forward to that. All right. So that brings me to number nine. And this is uh, our signal caller, Sam Darnold. Uh, I, I love this kid. Um, I, I think he's got a phenomenal talent. I think, you know, the sky is, uh, you know, the limit for this kid. Uh, but you have a lot to, to prove. You have a new system. He's got new targets that you have to mold with. Uh, we've got some, well, a new body on the offensive line. So the chemistry and getting familiar with everybody, those things are going to take uh, some time. Uh, we don't know if this is going to be the year where he takes a big step and shows everybody that he is the real deal, or is he going to be subject to the narrative of the sophomore slump? Uh, nonetheless, uh, I think he's super talented, and you know, hopefully one day we'll be talking about him as the number one ranked player on this team, not the number nine. Yeah, that you know, we talked about that before going on the air. I actually almost left. I almost not left. I almost forgot to put Darnold on the list because I wanted him to be one of the last guys I put in to see where I felt comfortable slotting him. And I'm he he's only a couple picks off from where I am now. Thing. So yeah, <laughs> so we both have him in the, in the same I'm range. Somebody here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who's that guy? Fourteen. Uh, so for me, one spot ahead of Robbie Anderson is Henry Anderson. You know. Again, we both we, we've we've spoken about him because uh, you you picked him earlier. You had him a little bit lower on the list, so I'll keep it short with him. Just versatile guy. He's a guy who can uh, who can get to the quarterback, who can stuff the run, and uh, that's why I put him there. And I just realized we are down to 15 minutes left, so we got to move this along. Ooh, all right. Yeah. Lightning, yeah. Lightning rounds. Yeah, exactly. Let's, all right. Let's knock these out. Okay, so right off the bat, uh, um, for our number eight, we're we're at number eight, I believe. Yes, Marcus May. Okay, so not not much to say here. Um, we we know what this guy stands. If he's healthy, uh, we saw what he could do. Um, his rookie season, he looked really really sharp. 
some people came away after um, him and Jamal Adams' rookie year, and some people thought Marcus May played better. And uh, I think that's debatable. I do see people's points. But you want to talk about someone that is going to be a key factor in this defensive back's success and this defense success, it definitely starts with Marcus May uh, playing all 16 games and just being that, that center fielder, uh, you know, ball hawk. Yeah, I think that he gets too much flack for the time he missed last year. He's a little bit older than you'd like from a guy only entering his third season, but he still has a chance to team with Sam uh, with uh, Jamal Adams to be one of the the top safety duos in the NFL. So I think we're I don't know I don't know what we did somewhere. I know I had the extra, so I bumped the guy down. Uh, somehow I'm on number nine. You're on eight, Alex. Uh, that was my number eight. Unless I didn't skip over you, did I? No, 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 you didn't. I just for some reason. I think I'm going to have a top 26 or something. Anyway, again, uh, 13 minutes to go. Uh, my number nine, Kalichios Maley, left guard, added from the Raiders, former pro bowler, was a little bit dinged up and didn't play all that well last season. Raiders unloaded him to get rid of the salary. Jets were happy to take him on, and if he is anywhere near the player he was even just two years ago, this offensive line is greatly improved. All right, so that leaves me next. Um, with somebody you just mentioned, Robbie Anderson. Uh, I, I do feel the um, same way. Um, I think this is going to be the year where he cracks a 1,000 yards. And I don't know how many red zone opportunities he's going to get. Uh, I can't tell you that he's going to be a double-digit touchdown guy. Uh, I definitely see him some, being somewhere between that six to eight touchdown range. And I think that 1,000 yards is definitely obtainable for Robbie this year. All right. My next one, uh, and that's, yeah, we'll keep it really short. Well, yeah, when I do one you've done or when you do one I've done, we'll we'll keep it shorter. Uh, yep. I, I've got I've got Quincy Inunua, and, again, love his versatility, love the way he plays. The injuries are a question, but I'm just going with pure talent here. So that makes him my eight. And, yeah, like I said, I think I'll have one more than you, Alex. But uh, go ahead. You're up next. Okay. So this one will be uh, Avery Williamson. Uh, a lot of people seem to think he's going to have over 100 tackles this year. I think he's got another linebacker right next to him that might debate that. But I do think that uh, with Greg Williams scheming up things, and I, I think Avery Williamson, will, again, will have another phenomenal year. All right. And I've got – who did I have last? Inunua, next one. For me, you said it. I said it a few months ago. Uh, or weeks ago, whatever, I think I did a small article on it. Uh, Marcus May, uh, to me, if, if you had to pick the two biggest X factors on the Jets right now, uh, on defense, it's May, and, and to me, on offense, it's Gase, because the talent's there. I don't, I don't care. I, you don't, if you're, if you are as bright as, as Adam Gase is, you know, is supposed to be, you don't need an all-world offensive line. You need a, a decent line. He's got that. And he's got, you know, we've said it a million times, Robbie, Quincy, Crowder, Herndon, Montgomery, Powell, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, the weapons are there. The, the players are there. He's just got to make it happen. Um, that, sorry, that's a little off topic. But May on defense is the X factor. And, uh, and Gase for me on offense. Uh, who's your next one? Okay, so we're approaching my top five here. 
And number five, I have Leonard Williams, Big Cat. Uh, I just kind of feel that he has not been given a, a, a fair take uh, over the last year or two. Uh, I don't think people realize how difficult it is to, to be a defensive tackle and be moved around as a defensive end and kind of just thrown all over the place and then be expected to perform at an Aaron Donald level. Um, I think that this year, Greg Williams will find a way to accentuate his skills and the surrounding cast that he has around him. I think this is going to be a career year for Leonard Williams. Yeah, and uh, we are back on track because I saw what the heck I did. I um, remember I said earlier that I had Robbie Anderson much higher, didn't delete his name, just saw I had him again. So now my number Um, five, Sam Darnold. Uh, couldn't couldn't knock him out of the top five. I couldn't bring myself to do it, but I totally understand you having him where you had him. I think I'm putting a little more emphasis on how he finished up those last four games where he was absolutely phenomenal. So that's how he gets to my top five. And, you know, I'll pray and pray to the football gods that uh, that Sam Darnold keeps, keeps pointing in that direction and, and trending toward greatness. All right. So now my number four. Uh, this is where Colegio Assembly comes in. Um, I don't see how you, you can't put the, the, the former Pro Bowl guys um, in here. Uh, one thing that I'm really looking forward to that I think that James Carpenter and Calvin Beecham suffered with last year was handling defensive stunts and, and kind of being uh, – it's kind of interesting how those guys have played together uh, side by side for so long, and it didn't seem like they were in rhythm at all the last two years. So I'm kind of hoping that, you know, this mauler, this tenacious, intense uh, acquisition that we made uh, will will be a tone setter on Sundays and, and kind of put a little swagger on that offensive line and give a little grit because uh, I don't think we've had grit on that offensive line in, in quite some time. And I think that's what KO – Kelechi Assembly is going to bring for for the Jets this year. Yeah, they could use they could use some nastiness out there. Uh, that brings me to my number four, and you've already mentioned him, but uh, Leonard Williams. I think this is I mean this is his make or break year in terms of if he wants to be a long term Jet making big time money. He's got to do it. He has proven up to this point that he is a good football player, but he's got the tools to be a great football player if they can bring that out in him. This uh, that will bode well for him and the Jets moving forward. Okay, so now we're approaching our top three. Am I right? Uh, you are right. And you know what? Why don't you you reel off your top three, and then I'll reel off my top three. How about that? Okay. All right. So this was tough for me, um, and I went back and forth on this one. But my number three came in with C.J. Mosley. Uh, my number two was the Prez, Jamal Adams, and number one. Uh, let's get some juice out there. Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I think you can interchange any of these three guys, uh, given the, the course of, of your mood on a particular week. They're all phenomenal players, and, and I'm glad that we, we have all three of these guys somewhat in their prime at this point. Yep, well, uh, I had exactly that. And as soon as you said you were flip-flopping guys, I assumed you meant Mosley and Adams because that's what I did a few times. The reason why I yep. went with Jamal Adams in the end is he's just a more versatile guy. He's going to be asked to do more. Um, yes, Mosley has been around longer. He's got the more impressive resume, but being an all-pro in year two is uh, nothing to shake a stick at in Jamal Adams. 
So I have the same. I've got Mosley, three, Adams, two. And, of course, Le'Veon Bell is the easy choice for one. And, man, I'll tell you what, this defense, I, I talked about the offense earlier, but this defense, there are some pieces in place um, where I think I think this defense could be one or two players away from being elite. Um, unfortunately, those two positions are uh, corner one and corner two, two of the hardest spots to get. That, of course, oh, yeah. assuming, assuming Ja'Kai Polite um, gets his act together. And as a matter of, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah, sorry, I, had a, I, had a, I was going to say, does, uh, does that does Derek Jones bump back into my top 25 with Robbie being on there twice? But I think that's a no because uh, I didn't have, I'd left her in and out. Um, but anyway, either way, uh, those are our top 25s. Hope you enjoyed them. Uh, like I said, if, if I did this list every day for the next three months, it would probably be slightly different every day, minus the top three, of course. That would hold pretty steady. But thanks so much for tuning in to Jet Nation Radio this evening, Jets fans. We will be back this time next, well, Tuesday next week. Sorry about bumping the show back a day. Um, as I explained to Alex, it was my anniversary, and uh, I didn't feel like sleeping on the couch last night. So there was no show. Congratulations to you and the missus. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciated. Uh, yeah, didn't want to sleep on the couch, so uh, bumped the show back by <laughs> one evening. We will be back next Tuesday night, hopefully uh, keeping our fingers crossed that Jets team reporter Olivia Landis will be joining us. Talk a little bit about One Jets Drive. The Jets are running that again this year, um, and I know that was a big hit for fans last season. Really looking forward to that. So that'll do it for us tonight. Alex, thanks so much for uh, for your efforts. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, everybody, you know, please uh, chime in. Let us know, um, you know, where you agree. Who did we miss that should have been in the top 25? We'd love to hear your feedback. And, uh, you know, if you guys aren't involved already, uh, you've got to check out Jet Nation forums. Uh, that's where the conversation's all at. And, and if you're, you're hungry for football content, you look no further. And I'll tell you what, uh, real quick, because we have about three, four minutes left. Uh, I don't know if you saw this yet, Alex. I just saw it, and where else but on the forums at JetNation.com. Uh, someone's posted an article. It looks like it was from – from uh, was it from – let me get the source here. From Roto – well, Roto World stole it, basically. Connor Hughes of The Athletic. Uh, three notes on Jets training camp depth chart stuff. Uh, according to Connor Hughes, Trevor Simeon was jumped on the depth chart by Davis Webb during OTAs. The team felt more comfortable with Webb than Simeon. So uh, that comes as a little bit of a surprise. D'Angelo Henderson was stealing reps from Elijah Maguire uh, in OTAs as well. As, as, you know, uh, as these guys battle for his, I'll tell you what, Henderson's a guy we've not seen enough of, but the little bit, you know, when I went back and watched some of his college stuff, I actually like him. I think he can do some good things, but you you just always forget him because you assume that the draft picks have the advantage. But again, the, these guys didn't pick him. So really, D'Angelo Henderson probably should be in the conversation a little bit more now that the guy who drafted Elijah McGuire and Trenton Cannon is no longer in charge. So that'll be worth watching. And a guy we've talked about um, quite a bit, undrafted rookie free agent Greg Dortch. Connor Hughes says he believes Dortch is in a prime position to make the 53-man roster. Uh, let's see. Nice. Of course, caught 89 passes. At uh, Wake Forest, ran a four five nine, which was a little surprising. Looked a little quicker than that to me, 
But uh, but that's it. That's all according to Connor Hughes. Dorch position to make the roster, which we said early. We thought he was the, the surest bet early on. D'Angelo Henderson getting some reps, and Trevor Simeon jumped by Davis Webb. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it? I could be wrong, but I feel like I read somewhere that Gase was very high on Webb prior to uh, prior to the draft. The year he came out, that he had the, the Gase was a, a big Webb fan. I could be mistaken about that. It could be uh, could have been someone else going off the top of my head. It uh, feels like that was something I saw. But either way. Uh, now we're really going to go. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Just saw it on the forums. And, again, if you are not on the forums on JetNation.com, join the forums at JetNation.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Alex, thanks for joining me, and we will catch you again next week, Jets fans. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at JetNationRadio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets! Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.